Help, I got a Mac podcast episode number 163. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Help, I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and today I am joined with none other than Eric J. Fisher. Eric, what's going on, my friend? Not much. Hey, we're recording this show on Thursday, right after the uh, Social Media Serenity podcast, and Eric has decided to stick around and chat with me about Apple and Apple-related stuff, because uh, unfortunately, Chris was detained by a friend's computer woes last night. He was doing on-the-site repair of somebody's Mac. Something had happened, and uh, he was helping a friend out, so we didn't get a chance to record last night. And I wanted to record an episode of Help, I Got a Mac this week, because some pretty exciting things are going on in the Mac world, and uh, at least one thing exciting, very exciting for me, and that is Final Cut Pro X. Have you seen this, Eric? I saw this. This looks great. Did you see the video that has been put out there? I, I saw that there was a video. I didn't have time yet to look at it, but I thought it doesn't look like it's really... I, I get disappointed when I see uh, bootleg Apple stuff because the real Apple videos are so awesome. Well, I want to tell you... I, I drink the Kool-Aid. I want to say um, Pro X, and I'm going to put on the show notes, I'm putting videos so that I can make sure I include these, which by the way, they're on YouTube. But uh, I want to say this. I would normally agree with you 100% that the, the bootleg videos are just nowhere near as good as the Apple ones. But th- the thing is, is I don't think you're going to get this one from Apple. And number two, the quality of this video is amazing, especially if you go to YouTube and grab it. Uh, and, okay. and then you run it in 720p. And I, I, did full, I did full screen on my 27-inch iMac. And guess what? I literally felt like I was sitting in the seat where this guy was. I am not. Oh, cool. The, okay. The video is that good. Well, I've got a thing on my, I use a Western digital, uh, live HD TV thingy dongle, which streams my Netflix connects to the one terabyte hard drive I've got. And one of the apps on there is YouTube. So anything I throw in favorite, I can then watch. So I'm going to add that right now. Yeah, absolutely. There are two and it's part one and part two. There's it's two different YouTube videos absolutely amazing by the way final cut pro x i just want to say that final cut you know the the this ed, video editing software suite from apple has we talked about this a little bit um last week with chris where chris had mentioned you know this is something a lot of very big movies have been made on i mean mm-hmm. they, they've used final cut to make entire movies and um the other thing is that um it, it's been a pretty experience, a pretty experience. I can't even talk today. Pretty expensive product. Uh, we're talking about a thousand to two thousand dollars, I think, for the whole Final Cut Pro Studio everything. Yeah, for the suite. For the suite. And I think that what they've decided to do is they've decided to make Final Cut Pro X, uh, just the, the video editing suite, um, available as a single product. And I think they've had, you know, Final Cut Express and other things like that. And even those have been pretty pricey. Yeah, the, I have Final Cut Express, the last version they came out with. And I I will be upgrading to Final Cut Pro X 
Um, I believe I bought the Final Cut Pro Express for. I think maybe the original was one forty nine, and I got the student one for about one something or ninety nine. But yeah, even then you're paying half price, and you're still getting almost the entire full thing, just not the rest of the suite. Yes, and so the the here's the here's the situation: brand new Final Cut Pro. It's built. It's it runs in. Uh, it's all sixty four bit. So one of the advantages here is when it was thirty two bit, they were limited to four gigs of RAM. So only four gigs of RAM could be used at any time. It doesn't matter how much RAM you have in your computer, which by the way, if I go up to my Apple icon and I click about this Mac, I am running with 12 gigs of RAM. But if I had Final Cut Pro, uh, Final Cut Pro Studio on my system, the, the, it can only use four gigabytes of RAM uh, at any one point in time during that processing. But now, with the 64-bit architecture of this new Final Cut Pro X, it can actually make use of all 12 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, and th- you w- there's going to be a huge difference huge in difference. the process power. Yes. And they also, and, and I watched this video, and man, some of the things that they have done with being able to lock certain pieces of clips together uh, so that, you know, if you, for example, in your timeline, you have, you know, video shot A, video shot B, you have uh, video shot B has some audio underneath it, but then you also have a soundtrack in the background. It used to be that if you would move things, you know, if you would move one thing out of a, uh, over to the right or to the left or cut a piece out, it would immediately disjoint everything. Well, now they have the ability to, well, actually, by default, I believe, it locks all of those things together. So that if you move anything in the timeline, all the other associated clips with that clip move with it. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, there's just they've, so many things. Mm-hmm. They've, they've taken what they learned to, in, in terms of simplicity or ease of use with iMovie, however much people love or hate it, which I've grown to love it over time. Um, and and added that to the professional ism of, as well as the advanced feature set of Final Cut Pro, and that's what I'm excited about. Exactly, and not only that, but um, the pricing. They announced the pricing. Get mm-hmm. this, two hundred ninety nine dollars. Is that yeah. ridiculous or what? Yeah, I'm telling you, for two ninety nine for for just the the Final Cut Pro X itself. That's a great deal because that barrier to entry was so high because you had to buy the entire studio. You had to buy the entire studio or just go with with Express. Mm-hmm. And now you can actually have the entire studio. And and by the way, the, what the the I'm sorry, you could have just the full Pro X without the other stuff, which I don't need After Effects. You know, I'm not going to be learning how to do 3D rendering and all that other stuff. Yeah, with uh, Motion or Soundtrack yeah, that's, Pro or all those other things. Yeah, exactly. I don't need Soundtrack Pro. I didn't need Motion. Uh, and there was one other one called Compressor, though, right? Mm-hmm. Compressor is the one other one that you might consider just because you can export out that video in all the formats all you want all at once instead of doing them one at a time. Yeah. That that one might be, and and by the way, I hear that they are going to have some of these other those other apps available, and they'll be available yeah. as single purchases. So now, one other piece that we haven't mentioned is DVD Studio Pro. 
Oh, okay. Which is like iDVD on steroids. Okay. And to be honest, that's one I want because, and I hope they don't do the thing where Apple has basically not updated iDVD in uh, the iMovie, or the, sorry, the iLife suite. That was one of the apps that has not gotten up to, I mean, they updated oh, yeah. GarageBand, they updated iMovie, iPhoto, um, but they have not updated iDVD at all for years. I would, and so I'm hoping that they're not doing the whole, well, we're moving away from optical media. I'm sorry, but <laughs> Apple, we still need DVDs for now unless you're going to let us burn to Blu-rays much easier. And yeah. so DVD Studio Pro is still going to be a must. So depending upon the price of that, that's the other one I'll grab. Yeah, I, I would like to look into that as well because I would love to be able to start taking my you know, my, my entire podcasting A to Z, you know, study course and, and putting that out on DVD, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. You yeah. make that up as a DVD one time, save it as an archived DVD uh, image file, and then anytime you need to just burn another copy, you pop one in and just let it rip. Or I can send off that, that DVD that image. and have them duplicated over and over it, for me as exactly. well. Ah, yes. So, but the the thing is, is that, yeah, you're right. We, we do want to have the ability to do that. Um, the other thing I want to say is something that's, this is unbelievably awesome and very cool. I first, I wonder though, will, will Final Cut Pro X run on my 11 inch, uh, MacBook Air? That's something I'd be interested to know. I'm also interested since this is going to be in the Mac app store, what's the size of it going to be? Yeah. That's, that's going to be interesting as well. But that's the other point I want to pull out is that this is going to be available in the Mac App Store. That means, by the way, check this out, Eric. I have three, no, four. <laughs> I have four Macs in this house. I have four Macs in this house. And guess what? I happen to have three kids. And I have three kids who I want to teach how to do some pretty cool stuff. Imagine... It, my, we're going to start homeschooling Matthew in August. Imagine if one of the things that we're teaching him is advanced video editing, right? Could you imagine what what he could learn? And here's the thing: of course, I I need it for my, I don't need it, but I I'm thinking I want this for my production and my video work for myself in my business as well. Well, with the Mac App Store, I buy it on my 27 inch iMac for 299 dollars. Now, if it works on my 11-inch MacBook Air as well, maybe it may not be as fast or anything like that, but if I could do a little tiny project here or there while we're on the road, I could install it on my MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but upstairs, I got a 21-inch iMac. Boom, install it there. I've got a Mac Mini, install it there. This, the Mac App Store is absolutely amazing. And I just, I'm just waiting for Photoshop Elements to show up in the Mac App Store Oh yeah, and, and even though I've already bought it, I, I'm going to. I will definitely buy it again so that I can install it on all of my systems. Yeah, you're, you'd basically be purchasing one more license to have it to be a universal license for your house. Exactly, which is great. I think it'll work on that MacBook Air. To be honest, especially because it's 64 bit, mm -hmm. it's going to be. And that actually says something about the size of the download because if it's only going to be in. Well, it may not only be in 64-bit, but it's 64-bit compatible. So anyway, it's going to be lightning fast. One of the other things we didn't mention is that the it's going to be auto-render, which oh. if you've ever done rendering a video in Final Cut in any way, before you can get started editing, editing, you set it all up, and then you have to let it render. 
Yeah. Which can take a while. Yeah. So. Yeah. This thing lets you start editing before it's it, while it's rendering yeah. in the background. And that, that that's yes, yeah, some pretty amazing stuff. But I've I've never liked Final Cut just because of all that rendering stuff and the fact that, you know, hey, this video, it's an H.264, it's it's a it's an MOV file. Why can't I just drag and drop this in and start editing and cutting? Like I I mean, I can do it in ScreenFlow. It's $99, right? Mm-hmm. But I can't do it in Final Cut. I can't do it I can't couldn't even do some of that stuff in in iMovie. I had to let it convert it over to something else. So I'm very excited about Final Cut Pro X. This is going to be amazing. It's coming out in June for $299. And um, the one thing they didn't mention there, and I, I just assume that it's there, it's got to have chroma keying in it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. For green uh, screen? Final, Final Cut Pro already does. Yeah. So, I so it'll, it'll have it. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm very excited. Matter of fact, I'll probably end up learning quite a bit about all of that stuff. So, yeah, I know how to chroma key. I'm cool like that. Are you cool like that? Yeah, I, my green screen <laughs> should be arriving today. Sweet. I got a portable five foot by seven foot collapsible green screen. Uh, so then, when I come visit you, we can do some Mac versus PC ads. Yes. Awesome. We could. We could. All right, so uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, since we're talking about video, this is a perfect uh, time for me to put my plug into this show for my new uh, YouTube channel that I just created for Podcast Answer Man. I'm plugging this on tr- probably most all of my shows today. Uh, if you go to uh, youtube.com slash podcast answer man, I started a brand new uh, YouTube channel for my Podcast Answer Man brand. I've always had a YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash cliff EOTC. But uh, created one just specifically for Podcast Answer Man stuff. And I have two videos that are out there that people might be interested in. And it goes along with Final Cut Pro X. And that is, if you're doing some video work, one of my things, there, there are two things I think that are most important when it comes to doing a good video. Number one, good audio. And number two, good lighting. Or it might be number one, good lighting. Number two, good audio. I don't care. But if you mess up either one of those, you got a crappy video. Wouldn't you agree, Eric? Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, if you go to uh, youtube.com slash podcast answer man, you're going to see my review of the Sony UWP wireless microphone system. And I have been waiting. Actually, I was about to say months. No, I have been waiting years to buy one of these because there are a lot of very inexpensive options for wireless mic systems, but they're all inexpensive for a reason. And, and I've decided, you know, video is really not something I care all that much about right now, uh, primarily because, you know, the cameras don't have audio inputs and, you know, you got this and you got that. Well, all of this stuff is starting to come together. I've got the Kodak ZI-8. I can plug in audio right from an external source. And now I, I've actually got to the place where financially I've saved up enough money for my business to be able to afford a good wireless mic system. It costs six ninety nine. So it, it, it's not cheap, but what I have is a wireless system that it's all metal construction, UHF. It runs on a, a boatload of different channels to select from. It does auto-tuning, but it has a receiver and two transmitters. One transmitter is a, a body pack that you put on your belt or in your pocket, and it's got the lav mic on it. The other one is a plug-on adapter that turns any dynamic microphone into a wireless microphone. You got to check out the video. It's at, uh, again, youtube.com slash podcast answer, man. 
Also on that channel, you'll find my lighting system that I just got for the studio. And uh, I did go with a cheaper set here because I don't think that, uh, of course, I, I should never say never, but I don't think I'm going to get to the place where I'll, I'll end up paying, you know, $1,200 for a lighting set. But, you know, now that I say that, I could probably see where that would might possibly happen in the next. Yeah, down the road, that's a worthwhile investment. Yeah, I, I could probably see myself spending a couple grand on lighting in about five to 10 years from now. But until then, I was happy to find something that works great for the fact that it's only $250 or just under. And uh, that is my Cowboy Studio 3 three light set, 2,275 watts. Uh, I did a whole YouTube video on my lighting rig and uh, pretty excited about both of those. Again, how does that relate to Help I Got a Mac? It all goes down with your Final Cut Pro. So if, if you, when you get Final Cut Pro X in June, get yourself a good wireless mic system and lapel mic system and um, get yourself some good lighting and you can create some wonderful, wonderful video. Awesome. I'm excited to hear you, the audio podcaster, get excited about using video more, even if it's not for podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never been, I still believe that audio is the way to go to, to reach people with the type of content that I do because it's so easy and on the go. Um, hour long videos, just, uh, I just can't imagine, but we just finished an hour long audio program of, uh, of social media serenity. And I know for a fact, people love that content and they can listen to it for an hour and they listen to it in the car and all that other stuff. So there's there's reasons why I focus on audio, but I've always been a believer in video. Uh, that that I believe every audio podcaster should be writing blogs and they should be including video in their blog on their site as well. Yeah, it's it's got that. Like for example, I'm not going to sit down and watch podcasts all that often, but like I mentioned earlier, I am. I've already marked that that uh, Final Cut Pro X video to go watch on my TV this evening. Exactly. It's a purposeful sit down. I'm going to watch that. And and there's a reason why a 40 minute video like that is worthwhile because it you know it you actually get to see the user interface. Mm-hmm. See that that was a worthwhile video to sit and watch. You know I would not I would not have been matter of fact I can tell you right now just thinking back to last night when I watched it that would have been a horrible audio only recording of that talk. Because it, you you hear them using language that they've made up, you know, and and stuff like that, and and new new terms for their new features, and 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 to hear them explain, you have to see it. So there are times when video is the right thing to choose. Yeah, absolutely. So Final Cut Pro X, exciting news! All right, what's going on? Uh, Elsa is going on in the world of uh, I or in the world of Apple. I know that you are eager to find out what in the world's going on with iPhone four slash five, right? Yeah, I mean, I would settle for a four if I knew a five wasn't going to come out until twenty twelve. Yeah, which I believe. Well, the rumor was the last rumor I read was that uh, production for the iPhone five will not actually start until September but then be available at the very end of September. Which, if I know that for a fact, and Apple will never confirm things... No, they won't. <laughs> uh, I would wait. I have the willpower. I'm already that close. I can wait a little longer. But my iPhone 3G is just kind of clunky at this point, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, here, here's the thing. 
um, the first the first thing I'll say to that is if you chose to go with iPhone 4, I would not consider it, it settling. And in fact, I can tell you right now, just the fact that when I first heard the rumor that they weren't going to release a new iPhone 5 in June, I was actually relieved because I I love my iPhone 4. And, you know, I've purchased the Glyph. I talked about the Glyph. If you go to mm-hmm. the glif.com. Uh, I love the the glyph. The only, you know, the only real thing that I, I, I wish the iPhone would have is a little bit easier uh, adapter to bring in audio in stereo for the video that you shoot on it. And I'm sure that there's probably something like that out there. And if somebody knows of something, send me an email with a link and, and I'll gladly go and purchase it so I can start shooting video on my iPhone with audio input from my wireless mic system instead of always just using the uh, Kodak. But um, really, I I can't imagine what else I need in my iPhone. Obviously, they're talking about dual core processors, right? Right. So yeah, faster would be cool. Um, And then of course... And for me, coming from a 3G, skipping 3GS to a 4... I'm going to see huge improvements on oh, speed. Yeah, yeah. The iPhone, you'd, you'd love an iPhone 4. So here, here's the thing. I, I think there is a 50-50% chance that we're going to get iPhone 5 in June. And I still say 50-50 because I don't, I, it, I think Apple has, you know, was so upset with how iPhone 4 got released last year that, that they're probably uh, threatening death to anybody who leaks anything. <laughs> so yeah. so I think the fact that there's no you know no real indicator that it's coming out in June, I I think that that's probably because Apple is is you know that the, this just, they're just not letting it out. So I I think there's still a 50/50 chance that we'll see a new iPhone 5 in June. All right? I would I'll just put it this way. I won't be surprised if there is one. At the same time, I won't be surprised if there's not one because mm-hmm. iPhone 4 is really that good. Now, yeah. the other rumor is that, you know, they'll hold off and just make it available in September so that so not to cannibalize the sale of the iPhone 4 on Verizon and to upset the Verizon people and, and stuff like that. You know what? Apple's never really had a problem with upsetting people who've purchased things, you know, and, and then all of a sudden they make something better and immediately make it available. That, right. it, that's just not been something. So I, I'd say if they don't do it in June, I'd say it's a 75% chance that they'll make one available, iPhone 5, in, uh, in September. Now, most people who are out there saying that they think that if it doesn't happen in June, that it is going to happen in September. And I personally believe the iPhone 4 is good enough for a two-year cycle. And so... I think there's probably, you know, if, if it if it doesn't happen in June, if it doesn't happen in September, then then I would say there's in my mind, there's as much as a 90 percent or more chance that they'll wait and just do iPhone five June of next year. OK, well, here's here's how my timeline looks with that. June, we'll know whether it's announced or not. Yep. I hope, I kind of hope it is because my contract ends in, in August. And so in August, I could upgrade to the four or if at that point they've not announced the five, wait to see, you know, wait four more weeks to see if they announce one in September or come out with five in September. And if they don't, then 
you know, actually, I'm still in the same place I'd be right now, <laughs> just without the option of upgrading <laughs> just yet. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to wait. I can wait. I, I, I can wait to see, at least. I would definitely, at this point, it's April 14th. We're less than two months away. My recommendation to everyone thinking about an iPhone, wait until June. Wait until the Worldwide Developer Conference. Okay? If they have the iPhone announcement, whenever they say it's available, get iPhone 5. If the If it's not announced in June and you want an iPhone, and you're using... Now, if you're using 3GS, here's the deal. If you're using 3GS, I would say, then wait until September, all right? But if you're on anything prior to 3GS, or you don't have an iPhone yet, and they don't announce this thing at in June, I'm thinking I'm buying iPhone 4, because it's awesome anyway. Yeah. That will probably be the way I go. Yeah, that if they if they had if there's not any kind of a I mean I, iPhone Apple rumors are so iffy from time to time that I mean there's always Apple rumors but from time to time we know that there's something coming for sure. Right. And there's enough of a convergence in the force so to speak that uh we would know in we say we know at the beginning of September that like here's what I'm going to do. Uh, if they announce something in because I'm on a 3G, not a 3GS, I'm on a, an old clunky 3G. June, they don't come out with something. I wait to September because, again, I have to wait till August anyway. And then what's four more weeks at that point? If they don't come out with something in September, then it's like, okay, well, next June, I'm not going to wait that long. And I get a four. Right. That's what I'll do. Yep. That's how I would do it. So uh, let's ask this, Eric. We haven't had you on Help I Got a Mac for a while. So can you tell me what kind of apps are you using these days on your iPhone or, or iPad? Or let me, ask, let me ask you this because we've, we've talked about this. iPad 2, do you have one? No. Do you feel the desire to get one? No. And why not? Because <laughs> I'm a unique situation. I have iPod 1 or iPad 1. I did not buy iPad one. I won iPad one. Yeah. I probably would not still have an iPad at all if I hadn't won it. Okay. So that's just good. because of the cost at this point, but I love it. My daughter, lo- my daughter plays with it more than I do. So let me ask you this though. Okay. Well, now you've just told me that your daughter plays it more than you do though. So I use pro- it a lot though. Okay. It's more, it's more of a comment on how often she's using it. Gotcha. Okay. So look, I think I I think I might know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. If you did not get iPad One and you've heard all of the stuff you've always heard about iPod uh, iPad One, and then iPad Two came out, and and you had not won the first one, you did not buy the first one. How how high would your desire be to purchase and save for iPad Two? It'd be a lot higher, and and the reason would be that, um, well, it might not be a lot higher here because here's the thing: I thought, oh, cool, I'm getting a free iPad, but I did not, ex- I did not experience the iPad to its fullest until I had it and played with it a lot, right? And but, so then fell in love with it, you know. But you've, but here, I think, I guess my 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 question is: is hearing all the people who didn't get it at first got one in their hands, played around with it, and you hear all the people talking about how they fell in love with it and stuff like that. And, and it's like, well, you know what? At this point, I've waited long enough. 
I'm going to wait until the second version comes out with the cameras. Yeah, and yeah that's the, true. So, so I, I, yeah, it, it's it's pretty much, you, you fall into the same category as most everybody out there. It's like everybody I know, everybody that I know that I talk to on a regular basis who have iPad 1 has not gone to iPad 2. Now, yeah. I there are people I know, not, like not, not like the relationship you and I have and some other people, but people who I know of who have had iPads and now have iPad 2 and love them. But for the most part, everybody I know and interact with on a regular basis has iPad 1, is still happy with iPad 1. So, well, that's that speaks to how great iPad 1 really was. Yeah. It was that good that if you have it, you don't feel like the new improvements are really improvements so much as little tweaks. Yeah. And you'll wait to upgrade again down the road, but for somebody who didn't own one at all, that, that you know the the added in the added benefit that iPad two added to what was already a great product that you didn't have yet, kind of locked it in. Okay, I'm going to get it. Right. So, and if and if you're an iPad one owner who then upgraded to a two, you're not going to be disappointed. It's still the good thing you had with a little bit extra. Yes. So, Eric, you are the social media manager, or is that the name? Is that the title? Yes. Social media manager for a uh, private educational institution known as Indiana Wesleyan University. What do you use on your on the daily basis as far as a computer to do the work that you do? Oh, I use a Mac. Do you? Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, yeah, I have a MacBook uh, Pro, 13-inch. Did you buy that, or did the business buy that? They bought it. So they purchased that, and um, it, it in the university are Macs prevalent in in positions there, or is it mo- mostly PC? I would say there's. I mean, it's a pretty good mix of the majority is PC, but a lot of people. I mean, they have they have done a really good job of moving towards Mac and supporting Macs in the last three four years now. That's, so that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, in in my office alone. There's let's see. There's an iMac. There's a MacBook Pro. There's a there's two PCs and then two more Macs in my immediate office. So the majority in my office is actually Mac. I want to know in your position as social media manager and and all the other stuff that you're doing there at the university. If you could tell me what are the five the most common five to ten applications that you're opening on a on a regular basis on your Mac. Okay. Let me see here. I am using. Uh, I'm using Evernote. Okay. I'm using TweetDeck and Hootsuite. Um, let me scroll through here. I'm also using. I've been using some iMovie because I've had a couple different video projects. And uh, let's see here, ScreenFlow. Love and, ScreenFlow. Yeah. Have you Have you heard me talk about ScreenFloat yet? Yes. Ah, have you got it? I don't have it yet, okay. actually, because I have an external monitor that I have uh, to hook up to my MacBook at gotcha. work. Cool. So the the need isn't there as much because I'm not out and about just yet. But when when the need comes, where I'm like, man, I really w- I'm, this is clunky. I need uh, I need that screen capture to be sitting right here. I mean, it's a perfect use. I just don't have. I haven't run into the necess- the necessity to to grab it just yet. Well, so I want to tell you this. I have a 27-inch monitor in front of me and a 23-inch monitor as my secondary. And screen float, in my opinion, for me personally, is a definite must. I don't care how much screen real estate I have. I mean, I've got I've got two full brow. I get two complete matter matter of fact. I have two full browsers 
open side by side on my 27 inch with more room on both sides and at the bottom of both browser windows <laughs> and an entire other monitor. And I will tell you what, I still use screen flow every single day because there's something about not having to even tilt your eyes to the right or to the left, always having that screen grab right and the information you're responding to in an email or writing in a blog post about that. Is there something about having that right above where you're typing? It's just, Oh, I hear you. It's, it's, it's completely different world. I mean, it's, it, screen float by the way is a is a game tra- changer for me yeah so I, I just just another plug for it there it's good stuff yeah and i'm not paid or anything to to do that i'm just telling <laughs> you it, it's the best seven dollars i ever spent in the app store in the mac app store that's the see here's the great thing about it is i can purchase an app at home uh, i mean i can dig through the the app store oh i love the app store Sort of. <laughs> I wish there was a lot more cool stuff out there. There's still some clunky looking, like cartoonish looking icons for things, and it's like really. Yeah, I know. It's the it's the early days of the the uh Matt the iPhone App Store. Yes. At this point, but anyway, love the App Store, and here's one of the main reasons why is because of the multiple license instance. You know, where I can just go out there, and I can be at home on my my personal MacBook Pro, download something, and then I can go to work and be like, all right. What did I recently download last night and then download it and I've already got it, yep. you know? Ugh, I love it. So I'm also using Text Expander. Okay, Text Expander is an absolute must. Yep. And Which, I've by got the way, let, let's, the, so, so, Twitter for Mac, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Let me write that one because I'm making notes of what you're saying here, Twitter for Mac. Okay, so let's talk about Evernote. Evernote allows you to basically... Um, it's a program that allows you to take notes, both screen captures, links, uh, written notes, mm-hmm. audio notes, all of that stuff. And audio. It, it keeps all of that stuff and, and puts it into, you can organize it into folders and all of this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. Now you might think to yourself, well, I can just do that with just a folder on my system, right? But the cool thing with Evernote is that it syncs to the web and it also, they have Evernote applications for your iPad and your your uh, iPhone and all this other stuff, and and it'll sync with those devices as well, as well as other computers running Evernote, right? Mm -hmm. My question to you is, all right, given the fact that Dropbox is available, do you use Dropbox at all? Yep. All right, so you do use Dropbox. Yes. Can you tell me what is it about Evernote? Because are you, let me ask you this, are you at the point where you're on the paid version of Evernote? No. Ah, okay. Never mind. I answered my own question then. Yeah, it's not necessary. I'm using Evernote more as an archival piece, and I'm using uh, Dropbox more as a what I'm working on, keeping that synced all at once. Gotcha. So So once it's done being worked on, it goes into Evernote. Gotcha. All right. So, okay. So, well, you couldn't put... You couldn't put your... uh, your uh, oh goodness pages document in Evernote could you? Yeah, you can. Can you? Yeah, but I mean, I, I can I, either copy and paste it in there or export, save the the pages document as a PDF and drop that in. Okay. Yeah. See that 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 just hurts my mind. It, it's just like aha, that hurt. It's like brain freeze. So okay. So that's see that's where I'm coming from. And of course, what I would want to do is if I if I'm throw, throwing in everything in the Evernote, you're going to get to the point where eventually you're going to run out of that that free space, right? No, because what it is is it's the amount of syncing. It, it as far as as far as your limit, 
I'm going to go check this out, actually. Let me see here. Account info. Account level is free. Yeah. And I've got I've got a lot of stuff in here. Let's see. 29. It goes on a cycle. And what current monthly usage right now is about 15 megabytes. Okay. It it's the amount of it's the amount if I'm primarily I am primarily using it for images as well as uh text documents at this point. Okay. It would jump up a lot higher if I was using audio and video and stuff. But right now I'm at about 15 megabytes for the month. Uh no. No, no, no. That's that's last month. I'm at about <laughs> I'm at about 2 to 3 megabytes for the month, but I have 29 days left in the cycle. So it's just reset itself. Um, the limit is about 60 megabytes. And that's of syncing. Right. It's just syncing. Now, There's really it, no... It only Does it only sync when you're calling things to sync? Or does it like do like Dropbox? If I have Evernote running on one computer and Evernote running on the other computer, does it automatically sync things over? Or only when you ask it to? It will only sync... It'll, it'll always sync to the web... So does that well, like count for example against, if, I, if I if I've it? got Evernote open right now and if I type something in it'll sync it instantly to the web and that's one level I think that then if I open up Evernote on a different device you know I'm not totally I've never run here's the thing I've never run into the limit right I've never run into it after using it for months and I'm using it more now than ever mm-hmm. note and uh, it's just you know I love it I just don't see the reason to upgrade for it right yeah I, i'm just wondering if you know because I, I, I evernote's been something that i've tried to like a couple times and i just never it, it, it's like it, for me it's an all or nothing service either i'm going to put all my eggs in that basket and and say this is how i'm going to organize data and content or i'm not and and i just every single time when i think about it it's like wait a second when i get down to this man, how much money am I going to have to pay to actually organize the amount of data I would want to eventually move over to this system of mine? And so that's where I've always just abandoned the project. Even before I get started, I was like, ah, I don't even want to start working my mind around this workflow, right. knowing that this is going to be costly. And the, for me, Evernote's buggy on iOS devices. I, I mean... I can't imagine how how it works for on on a three G at this point, but uh, for me on the iPad, I, I I'm still and even on my iPhone four, Evernote's app is buggy, 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 and so yeah. I, I I've abandoned it probably five different times, and I've and, and I mean when I tried it, I tried it, and I just couldn't like it. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm just I'm organizing everything through Dropbox. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't, of course, one of the things I like about Evernote is that you can drop notes and stuff in there, like take pictures of something and it does text recognition and you can actually search for content easily. So if you have pictures of signs or pictures of documents, it'll actually, you can actually search for a word that's on one of those documents that's handwritten and it does the optical character recognition. I kind of like that feature, yeah, but it's not enough for me to say, I'm going to put all these eggs in that basket. Oh, no, I hear you. It's also got that feature where if you're on a browser and you click the Evernote, you know, clip button, it'll clip the page you're looking at right into Evernote automatically. So you don't need to like copy and paste and then save that into a file and put that in Dropbox folder. And so ease of use. 
Very cool. All right. So uh, you said TweetDeck, Hootsuite, Twitter for the Mac. Those are all mm-hmm. obvious for your social media stuff. You said iMovie for the thing. ScreenFlow is for movie processing as well. Text Expander, for those that don't know this, Text Expander allows you to type just a couple keystrokes and it'll expand out to as much as an entire word, an entire sentence, a link, or paragraphs and paragraphs, paragraphs. and paragraphs <laughs> of, da- of text. And uh, what, what do you use? Where do you find you're using text expander most? Um, I'm using it a lot in emails, to be honest, because yeah. in in a lot of the stuff that I'm where I'm contacting different constituents here to just let them know, hey, I'm Eric Fisher. I'm just started doing this. Um, you know, I, I have that spiel set up right there. I've also got frequently used links like links to certain certain social media sites where it's, you know, I can type in. FB, IWU, and it'll populate the facebook.com slash and give the whole H, you know, URL. Yes. To those. So, so I want to reference them real quick. I can just type in five characters instead of probably 30 to 35. Do you want to hear what I do for links? Because, because I have a lot of links programmed into, uh, um, a lot of URLs programmed into text expander. And so instead of like trying to think of a unique one, that's really hard to remember for all the different ones. Everything is L-L-I-N-K, so it's link with an extra L in front of it, so L-L-I-N-K, and then it's B-T-W for Business Tech Weekly, or SMS for Social Media, or P-A-M for PodcastAnswerMan.com, or you name it. it, it it's, so it's, it's always L-L-I-N-K, and then like a three-digit code actually expands to the right URL. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that idea. It's, uh, it works very nice. And then, of course, like Plus Membership has a couple different like pre-written messages. Like there's one, you know, there's a whole, you know, welcome message. As somebody signs up as a brand new Plus member to contribute to support the content and community of gspn.tv, that's, it's P-P-L-U-S-N-E-W. So it's P plus new. If somebody's, uh, if they had a monthly contribution and for whatever reason it cancels, and sometimes that's unintentional, most of the time it's unintentional, and PayPal, you know, just had an update of a credit card or something like that. So there's a message that I send when I get that notice, and it's uh, P plus C A N for cancel. Um, and sometimes, you know, for example, sometimes somebody will send me a one time contribution uh, for plus membership, and it's P P L U P plus. T-Y, thank you. Uh, so I, I try to use like prefixes. I actually kind of group my text expander snippets into prefixes that are easy to remember. And and then it's uh, then you just have to remember the the words that go along with it, or the letter, the acronym that goes along with it. Nice. Actually, there's one other uh, app that I did not mention, which is called Wonderlist. Oh, I hear so much about this. How do you spell that? Is it W-U-N-D? Yes. E-R list. Tell W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T. me what this is. W U N D E R L I S T. What is Wonder Wonderlist? Because I hear so much about this. Okay, Wonderlist is available for Mac, iPhone, iPad, and PC. Sync across all of them, and you can have multiple to-do lists, and it's beautiful. Hmm. And it could, if you're using plain text as your to-do list manager, you may possibly decide to switch to Wonderlist. Really? I have. Is it in App Store? 
Yep. All right. So I'm going oh, to. Oh, is it? I don't know if it is. Let me look because that I may have misspoken, but I'm doing. I do know. Okay, it's not you in. Get the, it. It's not in the Mac App Store, so I, I have to yeah. go Let's in see here. Wonderlist.com. Let's see if that pulls it up. There it is. Wonderlist, uh, your free and easy task management tool. Sign in or sign up. And it looks like I ha- there's a Facebook login, so I can just log in with Facebook. Oh, cool. That's new. So I'm going to go ahead and allow it to access my information and send me email. That's good. Oh, and it's also got web app. I didn't mention that. All right. So I'm signing in. And uh, it looks like there's an app. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to play with Wonderlist. It's also there for Android. Is it? Yeah. So this is a cro- This is for everybody out there. Whether you're using the web, your iPhone, your iPad, an Android phone, a Windows machine, or a Mac machine, you can use Wonderlist. And can you organize? Oh, you can drag and drop these any yep. way you want. Yep. Oh. I'm telling you. I might like this. <laughs> okay, so I'm using so I'm signed into the web version now, but there's a downloadable on the there's a desktop version and there's iPhone and iPad versions. Yes. Mm. Has it ever gone down on you? Never. Never. Gotcha. Hmm. And and because I mean, even if it wasn't uh working, you'd still have your hard copy sitting there. Right in a device, in a in an application. So right, at least on your, on your, if you were using the desktop version. Right. Gotcha. And so when I change something in the desktop version, it's immediately synced to the cloud. Right. So that when I go to my iPhone, it's got the most up to date. Hmm. Yeah. Wonder lists. W e or W u n d e r l i s t. Dot com. I may try this. I matter of fact, I tell you what I'll do. I I am going to try wonderlist.com. I will set it up tomorrow. Try it out. Just think of use it this way. Don't get dip your toe in it in this way. Think of one list of stuff that if you lost it, it wouldn't be heartbreaking. And you know, start it on your, your start it on your Mac, then go install the app on your phone, open that up, play with it a little bit, and then go back to the Mac app and see how you feel between the back and forth. Yeah, that, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll play around with it. And I think it. you'll get convinced. Okay. I well, I'll tell you what. It, it's probably gonna beat my you know my plain text is what I've been using. And uh, by the way, I do have an update. I found. Uh, I, I went ahead and um, went back to text edit. So I actually set it up to where my TXT files open up by default with text edit on the Mac. And I did find that if you actually hit the, you tell it to auto save, it does automatically create an auto save. It doesn't change the file until you actually hit save, until you tell the program to save. But if you accidentally close the program, it does have an auto save version of the file. Here's what happens though. If you do hit save, then it gets there's an option in there for it to delete the autosave upon save. And so therefore what happens is as soon as you hit if you before you hit the app or before you close the app, if you do remember to save and of course it's going to remind you or ask you are you do you want to save this? If you do save, there's an option in there that it'll actually 
it will update the original txt file and it will delete the autosave version of that txt file and so i was finding that that was working and since it was allowing me to autosave every t- every 15 seconds i decided to go that route uh, but i am going to try one wonderlist wonderlist so uh i think you'll fall in love with it awesome thank you i eric. hope you do thank you eric I'll tell you what, um, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you for spending the extra time here to help me record a Help I Got a Mac this week. No problem. I'm sure Chris will be back next week, everybody. And uh, you know what? Eric's got to run. He's got other work and social media to manage there. So uh, until next time, uh, you can check out, by the way, you can check out Eric Fisher every single week. You think he's got valuable information and insight to share? He does. Check out Social Media Serenity. Dot com. Again, socialmediaserenity.com. Weekly information about Twitter, Facebook, and all that other good jazz. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, join the community.